With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. podcast is a proud member of the fan hub 100 football without fans is nothing so we've partnered with fan hub to put fans first search fan hub app to play your part in the journey you're listening to the voices of the vic podcast with ben ayton and mike duffy Hello and welcome to the Voices of the Vic podcast with me, Mike Duffy, Ben Ayton and James Batchelor. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we're back after the international break, I hate international breaks, and we're back to talk about yet another spineless display, I'll, I'll call it, um, other than maybe the last sort of 10, 15 minutes possibly. Um, we just looked absolutely hopeless against um, a really, really good Liverpool side. Uh, the final score with it being Liverpool, well, Watford nil, Liverpool 5. Um, Claudio Ranieri's first game in charge. Um, here to, as I've said, here to talk to me about it is Ben Ayton and James Batchelor. Ben, before we actually get into the game, how's your, uh, how have you been since we last spoke when we were talking about that Leeds game? Obviously, we talked talk then about the manager change and everything, but How's everything been inside and outside of football? Uh, just quickly, you just said about the international break and how much you hate the international break. I actually yeah. missed the inter- international break yesterday <laughs> watching that. Um, yeah. I kind of wish we had a few more weeks because um, that, that was atrocious, wasn't it? But yeah, yeah. Uh, me, I'm, I'm all good, mate. I've had a good week at work. I've been, I've got a promotion at my work. I've got a pay yes. rise. Um, Congratulations, by the way, Ben. Like, so I was thank so you very much, when mate. I read that news. Yeah, it's been a stressful few weeks. If a few of you don't know, I work in the food distribution centre, um, and we, um, which, like everyone knows, the UK is struggling for drivers at the moment. So it's been an absolute nightmare and been quite stressful. But um, 
just just grafted away and luckily been rewarded and yeah really happy with that especially with like got a wedding coming up next year and having a bit of a pay increase it helps out massively but um yeah all good my end mate um i had the pleasure of actually meeting royalty yesterday as well if you believe it or not i i met a guy who's actually got a blue peter badge and his name's james bachelor <laughs> you dropped you right in it there james oh shit okay oh, shit. <laughs> yeah for those that, that also as well the, before we carry on obviously that that just a sign of your, your hard work there Ben so congratulations on that pay rise and, and the promotion buddy um, but for those that don't know who Jane, uh, who Ben was on about there James you did meet Ben yesterday for the first time at, uh, at a yes. Watford game and yes. uh, yeah James told us in the week that he's actually got or he had a blue piece of badge for writing to the Queen um, yeah have, have you found out what that letter was about yet or no, I should ask my mum. Really, it's in it's in some special box locked up in some cupboard somewhere. But but probably, yeah, that probably it's best. only because I found it in I found it in my drawers during the week. So I, I just thought I'd I'd share that information on on the WhatsApp group. But obviously, um, yeah, obviously that's been taken taken the wrong way. <laughs> hey, mate, there's nothing wrong with having a blue Peter badge at all. Not Wasn't there a lot of perks no. for blue Peter badge as well? Don't you get into theme parks in that? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so yeah, throughout my childhood, um, yeah, my parents are very happy with that. They didn't have to pay for me to to go into these places, but but yeah, as, as Ben said, it was nice to finally meet him for the first time. Uh, a lot smaller than I expected, you know. I, I expected him to be, he's, to be, that's to be all he said small. in the group chat, by the way, listeners. <laughs> smaller. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm about five foot ten, and you're what? You're only a few inches taller than me. Yeah. You're making out I'm no, like uh, Declan Donnelly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Anton Detter at the Newcastle game, actually. I really, I really wanted to meet them, but I, I didn't get the chance. But, but yeah, nice to meet Ben. Um, we just basically had a long old rant at half time about how poor <laughs> the performance was. Um, and yeah, it just wasn't great at all. I've, basically, I spent the whole week, you know, hyping myself up for. For the Liverpool game, you know, going back, watching SARS goals, you know, in our relegation season, I thought, yeah, you know what, here we go. This this is gonna this is gonna happen again and then, you know, ten minutes into the game it just all went to all went to pot really. Yeah. I, now Ben laughed a, a little bit there when you said you spent about a week hoping yourself up. I don't know if Ben was thinking along the same lines as me. Think Four nil victory, weren't it? Um <laughs> no, think, thinking you were gonna say I was hoping myself up to meet Ben at the Liverpool game. So yeah. Oh no! I, I saw uh, James no. doing a video midweek, and he actually predicted a four-nil Watford victory. So I don't know what I he's been it. drinking. I must have missed that one because oh wow, four-nil. Oh, in fact, no, I do remember that. Yeah, four-nil. Yeah. Oh well, James. Some some Sorry predictions aren't well. But no, glad to hear you guys are, are being doing well. Like I say, you know the international break's so boring. I I had um, my team had a game, and we I think we lost. Um, the weekend of the international break. And then yesterday, uh, we won 4-0 against the team who was second in the league and they went into the game unbeaten. So that was a brilliant result for my lads. Um, really, really happy with that. And then, just on a bit of personal level as well, uh, I've been sort of getting my head down and sort of trying to eat better and, and stay more sort of physical with my new job as well. So uh, I lost £4 the week this week, just gone which brings a total up to £8 in three weeks, which, uh, yeah, well done, slowly getting there. Hopefully, um, come the end of the month, I'll, you know, would have lost a bit more. But, yeah, that's uh, on a personal level. That's uh, that's something that I'm, I'm really buzzing with. But something I'm not buzzing with is Watford at the moment. Like, 
I, do you know what, though? I, I don't think... I'll, listen, I wasn't on the same level as James sinking 4-0, but I, I must admit, and I must hold my hands up, I was quietly confident going into this game. I don't know whether the 3-0 against Liverpool last time round maybe played a part. I thought, if we can get the Vic Rock in, who knows what will happen. New manager bounce. I mean, I didn't know this until watching Match of the Day today, um, that... Claudio Ranieri is actually the first Watford manager since Oscar Garcia in 2014 to lose their first game in charge. Um, like since the Pozzos took over, that I should say. Look, I don't think that's like since forever. <laughs> Ever. But, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that, and perhaps it's probably for the best because that just would have made me more, you know, sort of hyped up and thinking we can get something and then as well Claudio Ranieri had won his four of his last five home games against Liverpool so you know everything was pointing as if to say maybe Watford can pull this off but as as James said um, 10 minutes in we, we soon found out that wasn't quite going to be as straightforward as that I mean as always guys we'll start with the team news and we knew that Claudio Ranieri liked a 4-4-2 or a 4-4-1-1 at Sampdoria, Leicester, wherever he's been before. And we was, I mean, I think we were saying in our group chat, weren't we, guys? We were sort of predicting the team. And I sort of autopilot predicted the team and sort of read it out as a 4-3-3. And I think James was quick to point out that he doesn't play 4-3-3. And it certainly wasn't a 4-3-3. And to be honest, James, I'm still a bit confused as to what it was at the moment. We were just talking off air before recording. And I think we sort of agreed that it maybe went to a back five at times. But we'll read the team out. It's um, It was fostering goal. And then it was Rose, Trustekong, Messina, Kafkart, Sissoko, Feminia, Saar, Dennis Hernandez and Kucha. Now, I'm reading it out in numerical order based on the... the numbers there but it, it was really really tough James I, I when I was watching it on BT they had Messina down as, as a left mid like what was your thoughts when you saw that team at whenever it, half 11 it would have been yeah yeah I was um I was a bit well I was very surprised actually you know I wasn't expecting you know I wasn't expecting this to, to revert to you know it, it was a five at the back if, if we're being honest you know we obviously you know, defended for large periods during that game. And, you know, Messina, Femini dropped, you know, really, really deep. In fact, the whole team really dropped deep. You know, Saar, Cucho, Dennis were, were all defending, you know, pretty much with with the back line. And, you know, it was just surprising to me because, you know, set, setting up in that way, you're kind of, you know, you're, you're kind of saying to Liverpool, you know, come and attack us. And, you know, is that really what you want to do to, you know, a side like Liverpool with, with the quality they've got? You know, I, I don't really think so. I probably would have, you know, stuck with the four at the back. You know, maybe just would have reverted to, to the four four two as Ranieri has has favoured at his previous clubs. I just I just think that really he overcomplicated the whole, you know, the whole formation. Obviously, he is limited in in terms of who he can select. With obviously the centre back injuries, Josh King's out injured as well. In Kulu needs to get up to sharpness, but. You know, for me, I just thought it was quite quite a negative way of, of setting the team up. Yeah, and Ben, what was your thought when you saw that team at, at half 11? Was you equally as shocked? Did you think, oh, OK, he's, he's maybe changing it up a little bit here. Was you, was you excited? Was you scratching your head? What was your thoughts? I wanted to get back in the car, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I wasn't excited. It was hard to see what he wanted to do with it. I know it's been extremely hard for him because he hasn't had all the players to his disposal because of the international break. But 
I wasn't excited by it, and you just kind of knew what was going to happen with that lineup. You just knew that it was going to be a really tough afternoon. There was nothing in that lineup that made me excited, thinking, "Oh yeah, we could actually do something here. We we could maybe cause an upset." I was just, yeah, wanting to get back in the car, mate. If I'm totally honest. <laughs> yeah, I. It, it was such an odd one. I I, I thought maybe it's a four four two. Like I I mean. You know, having watched it, unfortunately, I'm still to this day a bit like I'm, I'm still not sure what what formation he was trying to, you know, get out there. But nonetheless, I was thinking, okay, that's the team he's chosen today. Let's go with that. Let's hopefully, you know, get something from it and let's attack them because you know we that's that's ultimately what we wanted to see, wasn't it, James? You know, coming off the back of that Leeds performance and that was horrendous. You know, unfortunately, I was there to witness it live and um, I, I think we just wanted to see something better. And, and to be honest, we perhaps thought there would be because A, the manager bounce and Ranieri is not afraid to come up against these big teams. But nine minutes in, Sadio Mane scores his 100th Premier League goal. Um, it, it was just too easy. I mean, it was a brilliant ball on the outside of the foot from... Uh, Mo Salah, who absolutely tore Danny Rose apart, and he, you know, he, he got behind Sadio Mane, he got behind Craig Cathcart, and slotted the ball in. And it was one 0 after nine minutes, and that just summed up that we were going to be in for a long afternoon, didn't it, James? There was just no organisation whatsoever from that first whistle, was there? No, no, no organisation at all. And you know, watching the game from, from my perspective, I, I sit quite high up in the ground, so I, I do have quite, you know, a good overview on on how. Um, you know, how both teams set up. And it was quite evident from, from the word go, really, that, that Mo Salah was, you know, basically going at Danny Rose at every opportunity that he got. You know, Rose couldn't cope with his pace. Um, you know, and, and Mo Salah, you know, basically tore him to shreds. And, you know, that that is essentially ha- how, how that goal happened. You know, Salah, you know, going past Rose, fantastic, you know, world-class ball, um, you know, cutting open our defence, you know, really, really um, fantastic ball from Mo Salah. And, you know, Sadio Mane with the quality he's got, you expect him you expect him to finish that chance. And, you know, 1-0 um, from from that moment on, it, it was really tough for, for Watford to get back into the game. And just, you know, I, I expect to lose to Liverpool. Um, you know, I, I don't really expect to, to get anything from these games when you're playing against these, these world-class sides. But, you know, I, I did expect us to be a lot more solid um, than we was. And it, it was just disappointing to, to go 1-0 down that early on, really. Yeah, and, and Ben, you know, as as Joan said there, I mean, <laughs> it's just so so difficult to try and understand what the thinking is here. I, are we maybe being a bit harsh? Because Ranieri has only, he's only had two weeks to work with these players and some of them, he, he probably would have had less as well because... The international break, some of them would have been coming back from international duty. But were you expecting to maybe see a better performance, even though he only had two weeks? Or are you still very much of the opinion that it's still early days, this was Liverpool, anything can sort of happen from here on in? Look, we were playing Liverpool yesterday, one of the best teams in the, in the, in the world in my eyes. We've got world-class players. Mohamed Salah is, in my eyes, best player on the planet at the moment. He was unplayable yesterday. A lot of Watford fans are realistic and you knew coming into this game it was going to be a tough afternoon. Um, we knew we were probably going to be on the end of a beating. The results at Newcastle, against Newcastle and Leeds were not good enough and the warning signs were there. That's why we've had to make the change. 
but we all we want is just a bit of fight, desire, passion. Um, the manner of the defeat yesterday is why there's so many upset Watford fans. They, we didn't see any of that yesterday. Um, you wouldn't have minded if we ended up losing 5-0, but you actually gave a gave a shit about the performance. It looked like there was too many players on the pitch that didn't really care. Um, their performance were really, really poor. A lot of blow-par performances. There's only a couple of players who we can maybe think of and that were came out with a bit of credit to their name. Sissoko I thought he was the only one who was actually running around trying to make things happen and trying to lead by example fair play to him as well he, it's the first time he took on the captain's armbands as well which was maybe when the team news came out we was like oh Sissoko captain but maybe Ranieri saw something and wants to use his experience in that so I think Sissoko he had a point to prove as well and wanted to lead by example and we definitely saw that yesterday I thought he he was really good he was when I was talking to you afterwards, you said he was the best of a bad bunch and I think you were spot on with that assessment. I think Ngakia, when he came on, he showed really good signs as well and I think he shows that he he should be starting ahead of Kiko at the moment because I don't think Kiko is a Premier League player at the moment and it showed evidently yesterday um, he struggled again. Um, and then Jao Pedro coming on as well was another bright spark and he was lively and he was putting himself about. Other than them three players, everyone else was really poor and Adam Messina, don't get me started on him. Huh. Yeah, I, I I don't... Messina's not great, and I think we've seen that in the Prem before. You, don't get me His wrong. His performance last, yesterday was like w- watching um, Lazar again when he played last season. We oh, was all criticising him. That, that, that was like Messina-esque yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, James, I mean, what's your view on, on Adam Messina? Because... This is a thing as well, you know. He had a poor game yesterday. Look, who there was only three players. I think Ben's pointed out there that perhaps didn't. But there was talk of because of the centre back problems we got. That and Kulu not ready yet, which um, I'm, a, you know, a little bit confused about. But then again, he's not played this season, so he, he needs a bit of time to get up to the speed of things. But um, there was even talk, James, of Messina maybe being the left-sided centre back against Liverpool. And do you, do you think that we will see Messina much under Claudio Ranieri, or do you think that's it now? He's he's had his chance, and he's he got subbed at half time, didn't he? Bit like um, yeah. that reminds me of when we played West Ham. Did he not get subbed at half time <laughs> then as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, for, for Adam Messina, I think you know, as you say there, I think the writing you know under Ranieri is, is on the wall for him. Really, you know, getting subbed at half time. You know, I'd probably go and say he was the worst player on the pitch in the first half. It's absolutely abysmal. Like a lot of our players, effort levels weren't there. Um, You know, the only thing I would say is, you know, anyone in the world who's trying to mark Mo Salah is going to have a difficult time. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I, I didn't expect, you know, I I didn't expect our defence to have a a fantastic game just because of the calibre of players that they were marking. What I do expect is, you know, some effort. I expect, you know, simple passes to be completed which you know for some reason he just overcomplicated at times you know just easily um you know giving the ball away to to Liverpool when you know he could have just held on to it and just not panicked you know there's a lot of instances where he panicked on the ball yesterday just really really poor and to be honest as if Danny Rose is fit I'd, 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 I'd play him ahead of Messina. You know, we, we need to revert to the back four. Ranieri, you know, did that in the second half, which, which was good to see that that he was aware it wasn't working. Um, but yeah, Mike, he's absolutely 
absolutely rubbish. You know, I don't unless we have a massive injury crisis, I don't really want to see him play play for quite a long time. You just try. quickly as well, um, I, I was reading the Watford Observer's report and I read their ratings in that. Um, Ryan Gray gave Madame Messina 2 out of 10 yesterday for his performance. Um, oh. It was that poor. And I also I saw someone tweet yesterday as well. Uh, I don't know if you boys saw this as well. They said about, I, I, I'm not surprised that um, Nigel Pearson punched at <laughs> Madame Messina at half-time at West Ham if that yeah. happened. I saw that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that did make me chuckle, I'm not going to lie. There was a couple of tweets yesterday that made me chuckle, which I wouldn't usually like sort of go into them, but I, yeah, a couple of them did make me laugh. I mean, Jones, we, we talk about there, you said you'd rather see Danny Rose, but and again, you know, he was marking Mo Salah, and that's probably one of the yeah. hardest players to mark on the pitch, but do you not think that he was a bit, he weren't at the races at all He had a tough yesterday. afternoon, didn't he? He, he, did, he, did, he did bend, didn't he? Yeah, massively. I think it was the pace of it. But I, I was talking to James when I met him at half time. I was watching. I watched the warm ups and that, and it didn't look like Danny Rose was really giving his all in the warm up when I was watching it. You know, they do their little sprinting um, warm ups where they like go in between cones, they like jog through it, and then they they end with a sprint. Yeah. He, he, he just everyone was sprinting apart from Danny Rose. He was just jogging it along, and I was like, you don't really look really switched on to be ready for this match mm-hmm. and then like you said Mo Sama had to be beaten off him about four or five times before he he um, created that chance for Sandy Omane as well as well and then for the last goal as well I know we're going to get to it but it looked like he's he was just so tired mm-hmm. um, where normally he's really good in one-on-one situations he, he couldn't get anywhere near Nico Williams and it looked like he was just absolutely knackered after chasing Salah all afternoon. Yeah, and I think, you know, yesterday just sort of summed up our defensive frailties because that second goal from Firmino, he won't score three easier goals this season, I don't think. You know, the the, the first one, um, I, was it Mane or was it Milner that he just literally, I think he, it was Milner, wasn't it? He pulled it across yeah, the face Milner, goal. Milner ball across the box, and yeah. He, he tapped it into an empty net and again, there was um, it, it was defence at fault for that. I mean, why no one was tracking Milner? I think Milner had the ball on the edge of the box. He then played a pass, and it was it was like, and this is cliche to say this, it was like watching a training session for Liverpool. Like the the, the build up was so you know so easy and so effortless for Liverpool, and we were just we just could not get anywhere near him. And you know Milner then overlaps, no one's tracking him, no one's marking him, brings the ball across, pulls it back, Firmino in empty net, taps the ball in, and it's 2-0 on the 37th minute, and I think the, the cameras picked it up afterwards, that it looked like, I mean you guys might be able to clear it up, or it might have been something out of nothing, but it, it looked like that Trooster Kong and Cathcart were having a few words of each other after that goal, so I don't know what happened there, or like I well, say, if it was nothing out of nothing, I don't know. Well, on, on Trooster Kong, Mike, I, I know on match of the day last night, especially, they, they really were um, go, going in on Trooster Kong, and you know, but for that second goal as well, they were saying that he, you know he should have done a lot better. He, he should have closed um, Mane down, and he, he laid it off to Milner. And you know, basically, that they they said that second goal was was Trooster Kong's doing really. And he should have got tighter to his man, shouldn't he, in that build-up? Yeah, 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 exactly. And you know, it's just you know, it's it's just you know, I don't I don't know who who to blame for this situation we're in. Is it is it recruitment? You know, is it individual mistakes? It's it's probably a bit of both. You know, it's just 
it's it's not a great situation to be in, especially with with these fixtures we, we've got coming up now. And you know, seeing I'd forgotten all about these them individual until you mistakes. just said that. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> but it's just individual mistakes. You know, nearly every goal yesterday. You know, Ben Foster spilling the ball and then Firmino getting a tap in. Truth mm-hmm. Kong not marking his man tight enough. Firmino having a tap in. It's just all individual mistakes. And you know, in, until these mistakes stop. This is going to keep happening. And, you know, I'm, I'm surprised it's, it's taken this long for us to get a battering because, you know, Leeds should have battered us. Wolves should have battered us more than they did. Newcastle should have had a couple more. You know, it, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's not great. It's really not great. No, it, it's it's not. You know, i got a fair bit of stick for um, giving Truce to Conga hard time in, in the Leeds podcast. i got a couple of tweets to say that they, they thought I was being a bit harsh and that. But I just saw... It was that, like... Yeah. It was like watching a circus, wasn't it? Because there was loads of clowns in p- performing for Watford yesterday in the defence, in the midfield. It was just, it was laughable at times. It, we was lucky that Liverpool took their foot off the gas in the second half. And even in the first half, I don't even think Liverpool got into like third gear or anything. They they, it was to. quite, it was, it was, it was too easy for them. Their movement off the ball, the interchange, you, you can't follow their man. They're just so quick. But we was too slow to react to everything Liverpool were doing yesterday. Yeah, no, and that's the difference between where we are and where they are. You know, they, the, I think, Matcha, they also said this, Liverpool will batter teams this season and we're just the first that they've battered. You know, we won't be the last that they beat 5-0. We really, really won't. And it, it's just, you know, I, I think the reason we, we're so frustrated, I've seen so many tweets saying some ridiculous things, some not-so-ridiculous things, some overreacting, some reacting just normally. And I think, yeah, we expected Liverpool to come along and, and sort of, you know, run rings around us because they're, they're such a good team. But I think the thing that Watford fans are most frustrated about is the fact that Ranieri's been brought in, you'd maybe expect a bit of a manager, new manager bounce, but you'd expect them to, to sort of look like they'd learnt their lesson from the Leeds game. And I just think that there was no organisation or anything and there was no game plan. Um, you know, I noticed that we perhaps were a bit reluctant to play out from the back this time round. That's probably the only, whether I'll call it an improvement, I don't know, but that's the only difference I saw. Um, we, we're not that sort of team that can play it out from the back. And I think Ranieri, um, you know, he, he's a bit no-nonsense in that regard as well. But it's um, it really, really was. And like you said there, Ben, I don't think Liverpool had to come out of second year, to be honest. So a 2 nil up at half-time. And, I mean, I'm going to read the stats, the first half stats here. Liverpool had 83% possession in the first half. We only had 17. We had I mean, no goal attempts. In, that's no embarrassing. Shots on target. It is embarrassing. They had seven shots, um, three of which were on target, one was off target, and then three were were blocked. But it's just like, I'm just frustrated because it's almost as if like we've not learned anything from Leeds and nothing's progressed. Like, if we'd have kept, you know, if if we'd have kept the score respectable, I'd have thought, okay, well, it was better than Leeds, but it it wasn't in my eyes. You know, there might be people listening to this thinking, well, actually, I think we're better in this position and I think we're better at doing this and we're better doing it this. I just see no improvement from the Leeds game whatsoever and I don't care how world-class Liverpool are. You've got to at least give it them. Like, Liverpool, I mean, let's not forget, the season we went down, 
Liverpool were on course to go in the whole season unbeaten. They were 44 games unbeaten. If they'd had, had, if they'd had won or drawn that game, they'd have either I think they'd have either equaled or bettered Arsenal's invincible record. Like that is a world class team as well. Yet we got in their faces. We we give it you know we we really stuck it on them and that and you know I I just yeah I I don't know it's just. It's just frustrating, and then you, you, we're going into the second half, and I mean, James, two 0 down in, in in the first half. What are your thoughts for the second half? Are you thinking, right, okay, it's two 0 damage limitation, or are you thinking, let's get at them? Anything can happen. What what are you thinking going into that second half? No, I, I was fed up. I had to keep twenty minutes for for the toilet. Like after I spoke to Ben, it's just not 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 twenty minutes, but I had to keep a very very long time for the yeah. toilet, and I was just. I was kind of standing there. I was like, you know, I was like, why am I even here? Like, what? Why am what? I in the queue why, for the toilet? Or... I... <laughs> Where were you queuing for the ladies? I've never queued up long for the toilet in the vehicle. Oh, mate! It, honestly, it was terrible. Like, oh, right. it really was. But we could talk about that. What was I? That was more interesting. Uh, no, nah, I'd, I'd rather, nah, yeah. rather not. Mate. Yeah, sorry. Uh, what was you? What were your thoughts going into that second half? Did you think, right, we let's. You know, damage limitation, or you're thinking, no, sod this. Yeah, they're battering us, but it's only two 0 If we nix on it here, who knows what can happen? What What were your thoughts? I just wanted us to give it a go. Like, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. uh, I'm going to jump to the last ten minutes here, but mm. the last ten minutes of the game, we actually played some decent football, mm. and I just don't get why we can't that from the word go. It mm-hmm. it really just it. It, it just baff, it baffles me. We do this all the time, you know. Every game we seem to be losing or, or trailing in, you know, we suddenly seem to wake up in, in the last 10 minutes. And, you know, all I really wanted at half time was just some energy, just some passion. You know, who who in that club, who in that who in that team is, is setting the standards for the players? You know, when Troy was here, you know, regardless of his actual footballing ability, at least he tried to set <laughs> certain standards. Um, you know, he, he tried to set standards for the players. And I look at that team, you know, Suzoko, Kuchka, Messina, Trooster Kong. You know, Trooster Kong's the captain of Nigeria. You know, I don't see anything of the sort when he's playing for Watford. I just want some passion. Um, yeah, I, I just wanted some passion, really. And, you know, we, we didn't get that. And it, it, it was really disappointing. I'm going to get a lot of stick for this on Twitter. But I'm going to say anyway, we missed... A, a character of Troy yesterday. We missed. I don't think you get any in. stick for that because that's spot on. We, we're missing the personality and yeah. commitment and passion of someone like a Troy Deeney. This football club hasn't got that at the moment. No, but is that because we rely so much on Troy Deeney on where he was doing it all on his own to rally the troops, where we haven't got anyone now to do it? Yeah, and listen, at half time, I thought I must admit as well, I I, I was really sort of raving about him when we you know after his performance against Villa and um, you know I, I think it, it was a good signing we, we likened him to Valan Barami style or type signing but I must say I thought Kuchka was terrible yesterday he was non-existent in that middle um, he got a meg, uh, another Megnut though which means we continue our unstoppable lead, lead at the top of that table for the <laughs> nutmegs so get in there we are going to get somewhere this season with those. Come on! Um, but in, in all seriousness, I, I think Kuska yesterday was, was non-existent. He's not the type of player I thought he was going to be. 
Um, he was blown out his ass, mate. He was knackered. Um, yeah. His fitness was poor. It, it, it was it was you quick enough to get forward, knock, but didn't you? supposedly he picked up a knock playing for Slovakia midweek. So I don't know if that was telling or not. But um, yeah, but you know what though? If if he did pick up a knock, you know we've got Imran Loser, Tom Cleverley on the bench. You know Loser cost us what eight ten million pounds. Yeah. Why are we this not playing this guy? Why are we not playing this guy? He's supposedly meant to be really really talented. Got great passing ability. You know, um, you know, he's he's not he's he's not had a chance. He's not had a chance. Yeah. We're playing this old, we're playing this old guy, Kuchka, who quite frankly, you know, just looks lazy. You know, it's just it's not not a great look. And you know, I don't know what's going on with that situation, but it's it's really not great. It's yeah. mind-boggling, isn't it? Because we we spent the most money on loser. It makes you think that there's there's something massively wrong with our recruitment, and we've known this for a while now, haven't we? For to spend the most money on a player that you're not even playing, mm-hmm. it's like who's making these decisions? We've seen it before, where we've spent X amount of money on Ismail Assar when Javi Gracia doesn't play wingers, but yet we brought in Ismail Assar. Yes, he's been a fantastic addition to the football club, and he's been great, but it, we're not bringing in the players that we need to play systems we've got no philosophy we've got no identity until we sort those things out we're going to keep on buying players that don't suit the way we want to play I think the best example for that in terms of buying a player or the most recent one I can think buying a player to try and suit the style of play that we'd had which really went belly up was Craig Dawson to me Craig Dawson if you're a team that wants no nonsense you, he can play how he wants. He doesn't have to rely on him playing out from the back. Craig Dawson's your man. Look how he's gone to he's gone on to do for West Ham. Yeah, he's had a few shaky moments, but when he first got his run of games in West uh, at West Ham, he, I think he got man of the match in the first two or three games. He's got man of the match twice against Manchester United. Uh, one was in the cup. One was in the league last season, I think. Um, and I still I, don't I think, think he was the kind of defender that Javi Gracia wanted, though, no, because we was we was looking after a defender for ages, and then it was like, oh, no one else is available. Let's dip into the championship and pick up a defender well, that failed to get promotion with West Brom. I do think that the problem we had with Craig Dawson was the way that Watford wanted to play under Gracia is we wanted to play it out from the back, right? And I've always said this. I've always felt a bit sorry for Dawson. And again, probably get a bit of stick for this because I know he's not the most liked man on Watford Twitter. But what I will say is, if you're asking Craig Dawson, who's spent how many years was he at West Brom? I, I don't know. He's got to be probably about six. A, yeah. He, best part of maybe, maybe 10, I don't know, or just under. He's played under Tony Pulis. He's played under... Um, whoever else has been at West Brom, I can't think off the top of my head. But basically managers that aren't renowned for playing out from the back, and no disrespect to West Brom, but let's be honest, their football over the sort of past few years hasn't been the greatest, and they're known for their old style of football in terms of, you know, um, not afraid to take the game to everyone, sort of get in your face. It's a real physical team, isn't it? So to ask Craig Dawson to go from playing like that to then, OK, we want you to come in and start playing out from the back and, you know, we, we, we really want the passing to be... I think he was thrown in the deep end massively. That's why it's working out for him at West Ham. I know he hasn't been given as many opportunities this season. I think they've signed a centre-back from somewhere. But last season was a perfect example. He really flourished in that West Ham side. And I think that's probably the best example in terms of buying a player who hasn't suited the style of football we had. I mean, Ishmael Asar at time, yes, 
why did we buy him? Because he was a winger and um, Javi Garcia didn't play wingers. But that he's gone on to completely, you know, have any doubts blown away because he's been phenomenal. He goes back, he goes back to Ivic as well, though, doesn't it? Ivic wanted a left-back and we didn't sign a yeah. left-back. Um, it's gone back to this season when we needed a holding midfielder and we was linked with so many midfielders. We were linked with that West, um, former West Brom midfielder, OK, for absolutely yeah. ages. Someone who actually yeah. wins the ball. And yet we don't make through signings. It's yeah. like the board don't want to trust the, pl- the managers who want to get these players in because they know it's a revolving door and they're going to be out and then we're going to be left with a player who this manager wanted, but now the manager's moved on. What are we going to do with this player? I think this is why... If we the the head coach thing, you know that the head coaches come in and they know they're not going to be in charge of sort of recruitment. They they might say to the board, "Oh look, I could really do with someone in this position." As you've said, Ivic said we needed a left back, but we were insistent on playing. I think um, Ben Wilmot played there against QPR. He played there another couple of times, and Gaki played at left back. And I'll be honest, he, he wasn't great at left back. Um, so he would have said, "Look." I need a player in this position, and yes, they should have gone and got one. Whereas a player saying, right, I want to sign this particular player, I don't think quite works like that. But in regards to the type of player we need, yes, they perhaps should have acted a little bit quicker. Uh, you know, Yuluksu was brilliant for, for West Brom. He was probably one of the better players in the relegation season last season. And I, I personally would have liked him to come in, but listen, we I've gone massively off the, off the sort of... <laughs> Oh, it's fine. I, I think it's I think it's a discussion that's needed and a lot of Watford fans are talking about this at the moment because there is issues behind the scenes. There's a lot of unhappy Watford fans at the moment with not with the way the clubs run. It, they're just unhappy with what's kind of been promised and we, we've seen things over the years where we can see it being Watford fans. We know there's issues in the team and we, we know what areas need to be sorted. It's frustrating when you go to games week in, week out, you see the issues, but yet the board or the recruitment aren't filling these positions of what we've seen. Like the defence needed changing about five years ago. Yes, we brought in Sirielta and Therese Econ to sort out our defence when we was in a championship. For, mm-hmm. Sirielta's probably the only one who's maybe good enough to play week in, week out in the Premier League. Truce Econ, I think the jury's out still. I've seen we've, I think we've seen the best, well, the best and worst of him so far this season. But the fullback area is a bit questionable as well. I think Kiko, I don't think it's going to be good enough to cut it in the Premier League. Yes, we've got Rose who's done all right so far by yesterday, which was just, just terrible. Mm-hmm. But there's so many issues, like holding midfielder. Look at the people you got rid of. We got rid of Chalaboy. You got rid of Hughes. You need to replace these players, and I don't think we've re- replaced them. Yeah, and obviously the injury to Peter Etebo is massively. You know, um, no one saw that coming. Obviously, and it's a big kick in the teeth. But I think James makes a you know a good stance as to why aren't we playing him around loser? I think he had a really, really good international break. He assisted one and I think he scored his first goal, albeit it was a penalty, but he assisted and he had two really good games for Morocco. Um, so, you know, sort of question marks as to why he's not playing. Is there something we're not seeing in training or is he not ready yet? Or I, I don't know, but um, just go. Yeah, but can I just, can I, can I just yeah, mention yeah, something yeah. really quickly as well? Like, long, like looking long term, you know, I don't, I don't understand. I just some of the decisions are so baffling within the club. You know, letting Ben Wilmot go to Stoke, 
Then we have mm-hmm. a centre-back injury crisis, which then forces them to go out and get a free agent in Kulu, who's 31 years old. You know, he won't have a future at the club. He'll be gone by the end of this season. We bring in, you know, Juraj Kuka, 33 years old, doesn't have a future at the club. You know, signing in Kulu, especially for me, is just the board's admission. You know, it's, it's them basically saying, you know, we should have brought in another centre-back during the summer. Now we'll have to go out and get this guy who, you know, we're told he's a good player, but he can't play for three weeks. He's 31 years old and he'll be gone next year anyway. And then we'll have to get another guy in and who knows who that is. So, you know, it's just long-term as well. I think the strategy is all wrong. But to play devil's advocate a little bit, I think the board will be actively looking for a centre-back as we speak. Yes, and Kulu's come in, and it might be that he only stays till the end of the season. But I think the board will be actively looking and thinking, okay, look, we've had to get in Kulu in. Uh, you've obviously got Matty Pollock out on loan. Um, I, whether he will have a future um, in terms of playing first team football, I don't know. But I think the board will acknowledge that, and they'll be looking and they'll be thinking, right, who who is it we can bring in? And yeah, obviously, selling Wilmot didn't quite go down well, and. I think maybe Zisco didn't quite rate him. I think when Zisco was sacked, Ben Wilmot liked the tweet from Sky Sports saying that he was sacked. So uh, whether there was a bit of a rift there, I don't know. But yeah, it's... The, um, the, thing, the thing is, though, we might be actively looking to bring a centre-back in, De- in December, January time for mm. the transfer window. But they should have been doing it at the start of the season. Uh, we would have been a much better attractive proposition for defenders to come in at the start of the season whereas the January comes we got a horrible run of games coming God knows how many points we're going to have in January God knows where we are in a position who would want to come to Watford Football Club at that time at a good standard when we need when we know we need the good centre back to come in there ain't going to be many people wanting to make a move in January we know that now yeah I, listen we, we, we're saying this basing it on that horrible run that we're coming up. Look, everything everything could go all, all well. You know, I'm not saying for one minute we're going to win every single one of those games in November, but who knows what position we're going to be in, in, in January. I firmly believe that we will improve under Ranieri. It, it, it was his first game in charge. And, you know, as, as debuts go, managerial debuts go, that's probably not the best start. But I do firmly believe he will... He will keep us up. That again, there'll be people listening to that, watching the back off the back of that, probably laughing at me. But I, I do think that his managerial CV, bar Fulham, where he didn't enjoy the best times, is enough to say he's got experience of doing well with these teams. So I, I firmly believe we will stay up, but we need to make some signings in January. Um, and who knows what what this horrible run's got in store for us? But we've taken. You know, we've taken batterings in the Premier League before, so it's nothing new. I'm not saying it's right or, it, oh, that's all right. If we've taken batterings before, then that's all right. I'm not saying that. But I just think that, you know, I, I'm perhaps not as worried in terms of, um, you know, where we stand in terms of the defence stuff. I think Nkulu, I think he'll be, he's worked with Ranieri before. He, you know, you look at his footballing CV, very impressive as well. Um, and, you know, I think he'll do well to, to plug the gap that we need for, you know, till the end of the season. We've got CRL to come back, I think Cabaselli to come back as well. So, you know, there, there are options there and I, I think hopefully we'll be all right in that department. But just going back to 
I think my, my original point I was trying to make before we went off on a tangent there, um, that second half, James, you said you were just hoping that we were just going to get at them and, you know, someone was going to do something. The substitution of Tom Cleverley, I was actually, Ben, we've spoken about Tom Cleverley before on this podcast. I was actually thinking, there we go. Like, for me, I'm sort of thinking, I wouldn't mind if he's starting because we know what Cleverley's about. We know Cleverley's going to run at him, he's going to do everything. But I think even Cleverley didn't quite look like Cleverley does sometimes yesterday. Um, he, he wasn't quite himself in terms of running at him and, you know, the energetic chasing down of balls and everything. It, it, is that what you thought as well? Or do, do you think he, he perhaps maybe did a bit better than I'm making out? Or I've, I, I just thought, you know, everyone looked scared. You know, Cleverley come on, you know, as, as he's saying, like, we, we know what Cleverley offers. You know, again, technically... <laughs> You know, he's not the best player, but he does offer you, you know, every game he comes on, you expect 100% effort, you know, 100% energy, you know, and, and you, you know what you're going to get with him. He's like a little bumblebee running around in, in that midfield. And, you know, again, yesterday, he he he, he wasn't great. But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and slate cleverly because no one was great yesterday. You know, it's just it's one of them days where, as I said earlier, I expect to lose to Liverpool. It's just the way we lost, and and that's the disappointing thing for me. So yeah, I wouldn't read too much into his performance necessarily, um, but you know, again, I, I wouldn't mind you know cleverly maybe maybe getting a start against Everton, Southampton, you know, Kuchka, you know, shouldn't shouldn't be playing. So there there is an opportunity there for for a midfielder to come in and, and kind of state their claim for a place in the team. Yeah, yeah, and. <laughs> He, I, I was just really surprised at Kushka. I really did think he was going to be... And listen, he might still turn out to be, but he, I just thought that, you know, I'd expect a little bit more bite from him. That sort of no-nonsense midfielder gets stuck in at every opportunity. And But so far, he's, he's not shown that. And whether the change of managers hindered that, I don't know. But, you know, he's, he really was poor yesterday, I, I must say. Um, and then, you know, the, the second half wasn't much better, you know. We, we lost 3 nil in that second half. But I, I must say, I, I must ask a question, actually. Um, obviously, in fact, before I ask this question, we'll talk about the, the Cathcart goal. Who's at fault there for you, Ben? Is it Cathcart sliding back, you know, trying to slide, and then sort of, do you think he's sold Ben Foster down the river a bit there? Or do you think Foster needs to do better and maybe deal with the, the back pass a little bit better? Or are they both as bad as each other on that one? I thought Truce, uh, match of the day um, picked up on this. Trucey Con was a bit too far away from Cathcart. He should have been a bit closer to him to help him out there in that situation. Um, I don't like the rule. I think Salah should have been flagged offside. I know he didn't move to go to the ball, but in Cathcart's head, Salah was moving to a ball, so he had to slide in there to get a foot onto it. Otherwise, it would have been a tapping. Um, so I, I don't like that offside rule. Um, I don't think it was a great performance from Cathcart at all yesterday. And then uh, I think Salah put him into an early retirement with his foot. That fourth goal. Yeah. Um, question. Did either of you clap that goal for Salah? No. no. I no. good. I f- yeah, no, I didn't. I in, inside me, I admired it. I thought it was a fantastic goal, world class goal. Um, you don't you don't see many goals like that where it leaves you a bit speechless. But yeah, I, I didn't clap. No, that's all right. Um, yeah, there, there was quite a uh, quite a lot of people that openly admitted to clapping it. I, now listen. You know, I, I personally wouldn't ever do it, so I just wanted to make sure that I didn't have two people on the podcast before I started slagging <laughs> people off that were clapping it. But to be fair, James, 
I'd have had you down to clap that. Uh, to be honest, I, I, I agree with Ben. Like, I admired the goal. You know, at, at, at that point in the game, we, we were never going to get back and, you know, get, get anything from the game. So, I, I can kind of see why why people did that because ultimately, you know, whether they won four, five, six, seven, eight nil, you know, it's, it's not going to have an effect on the game. So, you know, it was a class goal. Um, but no, you know, you, 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 can't, you can't applaud your team playing that badly. You, you, just, you just can't do it, you know. Maybe, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe my circumstances will change and one day I will. But, but to be honest, I was so peed off with the performance. I, I, that just didn't go through my head. If you ever one do, let us I... know and we won't let you back on the pod. <laughs> I, I, will, I, will, I will say one thing. I have clapped an opposition opponent before and I, I think many joined me on it. It was Sergio Aguero when he came to Watford and he was getting substituted I think he just scored a hat-trick and he was absolutely unbelievable on that day and I think all four stands of the, of the Ricky Drive were applauding him because he was just unplayable that day I wouldn't clap anyone for scoring a goal against us but mm. for recognition of seeing how well someone's just performed I have done that well there we go some revelations on this podcast today let me tell you that um Let's try and end the talking about the match on a bit of a positive. Um, we we did see the inclusion of Ngakia and Pedro, and I think they were probably the, the the shining lights from it, if you can call it that, or I, I don't know. But Ben, João Pedro has to start going forward, surely, doesn't he? I wanted him to start yesterday, mate. That's why I didn't want to get out of the car. Um, <laughs> João, João Pedro just brings so much more to this team. I don't know if you noticed this as well, James, but I thought he bulked up a little bit more. When I saw him yesterday, um, yeah, he looked lively. He, he was causing a nuisance. Matip didn't like him. You could tell straight away when he came on. He he knew what he was going to get. He's going to get a bit more of a bite against him. And he just wanted the ball and he wanted to create opportunities. And we didn't have that all through game. I don't know about you as well, but I hate seeing Ismail Assar playing through the centre. The yeah, moment he went over on the right hand side, he looked more comfortable. And that's when Watford started playing. The, correct, the chances started coming. You had Sarno right-hand side, you had Joe Pedro through the middle and that's what Ranieri really has to work on this week at the training ground. I, can I just say on, on, that, on that what you've just said there Ben and I think this is one of the key differences from the last time we played Liverpool. I don't know if anyone remembers, cast your mind back to that famous night at Vicarage Road but Troy Deeney did an interview with Sky Sports after that game and he said he stuck himself on um, on Lovren because he knew that Lovren basically didn't want to grapple and didn't want to fight and he didn't like physical, you know, he, he didn't like the physical side of Troy. The fact that we saw, as you've said, you, you thought that Joao Pedro's maybe booked up a little bit and Matip didn't sort of look comfortable. Um, I think that was a big thing as well yesterday. Troy Deeney obviously said that he... He stuck on Lovren and tried to get the better of him physically. João Pedro would have been perfect to try and sit on Matip and do that because, look, we know Virgil van Dijk, what he's capable of, he's absolutely brilliant. But to just stick something on one of their defenders, I think João Pedro would have been absolutely superb at that because, as we know, you know he's, he's growing and growing into the English game. And hopefully now we can see him start. But And as you've said, Saar through the middle is a big no-no for me. Um, James, in terms of João Pedro himself, obviously, A, do you want to see him in the next game against Everton? And B, more importantly, where are you sticking him? Are you sticking him as part of that front three or are you putting him in the midfield? 
Uh, yeah, I think that's an interesting question because obviously we still do have obviously Josh King to come back from injury. You know, he, he was playing down the middle before he got injured. And, you know, overall, you know, judging by what we all said in this podcast, he, he was doing relatively well, you know, getting a few assists. Yeah. Obviously, a disallowed goal against um, Newcastle. Um, for me, I'd, I'd probably stick Pedro out on that left-hand side just okay. because um, watching Cucho Hernandez yesterday, I really was not impressed at all. I thought he was, again, like most of our players, he, he was abysmal. Um, and Pedro come on and he just offered you know, something different. You know, I cast the mind back to the Derby game in, in the Championship last season. Pedro cutting in off, off that left-hand side and, and curling such a such good strike in, into the far corner. And I, I, I think he can do that in the Premier League. I, I really, really do. So the front three I'd go with against Everton would probably be um, Pedro on the left. Uh, then I'd go King down the middle, So on the right. And then Dennis and Cucho on the bench. You, you can obviously bring on to make an impact. And, you know, hopefully Pedro can, can have a big season for us because his potential is, you know, sky high. In it and, and I really think he, he can do a lot in his career. Ben, for you? Um, I wasn't massively impressed with Kusho yesterday. I do think he, he tried. It's just nothing was, he was doing was coming off. Mm-hmm. I do think at the moment watching it, seeing, from what I've seen of him, he looks like a bit of a one-trick pony at the moment where you just know he wants to cut inside on that right foot. He wants to bend it into the top corner like he did against Villa. and He just looks a bit predictable at the moment. So I want him to change up his game. I also get a sense that he's a bit selfish as well where he could have laid the ball up a couple of times yesterday, but he wanted to keep it and try and get the glory himself. So I, I want to see that change in him. I don't think he's ready to start Premier League games. I do think he's probably a better impact player off the bench at the moment. Um, my front three for Leeds if we do go front three Ranieri might change it and play two up top but if we are talking about three for me it would be um, I'm not sure if King's going to be fully fit yet I don't want him to come straight back in or not so I'm going to say King's going to be on the bench and ease himself back in because he did have a knee injury and knee injuries are a bit can take a little bit longer to get back up to full fitness so I'm going to go Joe Pedro down the middle I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go King King Semmer on the left. Um, really? Yeah, only because he's a bit of a workhorse, and I think you need that at the moment. You, you need people who are going to run through things at the moment. I think Dennis probably needs a bit of a rest as well because he, he's played every game so far. So I'm gonna go you Semmer know what? on the I, left. I totally forgot Semmer actually existed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you, you saw what he brought to the Championship side last season. He just runs and runs. Um, and I think he could do really well f- for Ranieri as well. So, and then he, the defensive work Ken Semmer does as well, I think that's really vital as well. Um, so I'm going to go Semmer on the left, Pedro down the middle and Sar on the right. Well, there we go then. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what sort of team we take to Goodison Park because, you know, they're not exactly, you know, doing badly th- this season. Um, I think, they, in fact, as we speak, they're... Uh, they have lost one nil to uh, to Everton, but other than that, they um, they've they've been doing relatively well. So it's going to be tough, you know. They're seventh in the league at the moment. They've got the third best home record in the division, which a little bit worrying because we've uh, yeah we've we've picked up three points away from home this season in four games. So yeah, they, it, on paper it's not looking good, but I, I think I, I do genuinely think that the longer that Ranieri has to work with the players, I, I do think we'll be all right. But um, 
just one topic which I don't want to go too much into because I think lots and lots has been said on this matter on, on social media today, yesterday. Um, but I just wanted to basically get your guys' thoughts in terms of the whole Ben Foster thing. Um, I'll start with James and the simple question which we've us three have actually spoken about before. For Everton, do you stick with Foster? Or do you bring Backman back in, just basing it on his performance yesterday? Not anything else, not what's happened or anything like that. Okay. Basing it on his performance, what are you going with? Okay, so just purely basing it on his footballing ability and his mm-hmm. performance yesterday, uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna stick with him just yeah. purely because, um, for two reasons actually. Number one, he did actually make some good saves yesterday and you know yep. if it wasn't for them saves we might have lost seven or eight nil so you know they were they were good saves and, and he was under pressure for a lot of that match and secondly the reason I wouldn't change him is purely for um, continuity reasons and I've said this numerous times on, on my own channel as well mm. you know changing the keeper you know every week every couple of weeks is not going to do our defence any good it's, it's really not and the defence need to know what keepers behind them they need to know how they're going to play and you know changing the keeper this often the, or even the speculation about changing the keeper is, is going to be going through them players minds so mm-hmm. i do think that someone needs to come out whether it's ranieri foster batman whoever it is we just need that one keeper um who is going to be our keeper through the rest of the season so for me um yeah I, I'd, I'd keep fostering goal um Obviously, we can reassess this every, every week, and you know you can ask me the question again. But yeah, for me, it's for me, it's Foster at the moment. Yeah, and be, before I ask you, Ben, I agree. Based on footballing ability, and based on you know, um, I think he made a couple of saves against Leeds uh, early doors, which you know kept us kept it to one nil. Um, his maybe communication with his backline in that game wasn't the best. Um, yesterday made some good saves as well. Uh, it would be harsh to sit here and go through each goal and say could Batman have done better because ultimately nobody knows, uh, and it, it would be harsh to say I don't think Batman would have been able to save this one. I don't think he would have been able to save that one, or he would have let this in or that. Um, so I think he would have. Uh, sorry, I would stick with Ben Foster purely based on the the, the football side of things. Yeah. Um, the only the only gripe I have really is is distributions. Um, I think it's it's got a little bit worse. Uh, like he's kicking yesterday in terms of you know from goal kicks, it looked like we were really trying to spread it wide at times, and it just wasn't working. I mean, the first goal, for example, did that not come from a Ben Foster goal kick? We lost the header. Look, anyone can lose a header in the middle of the pitch, and then next thing you know, Salah's bullied Rose, and um, Salah's you know bent it round for uh, for Sadio Mane. But I think his his distribution isn't great. Um, so yeah, just based on that, I would. Ben, what's your thoughts? Are you gonna? Is it a clean sweep for Fozzie based on performance, or are you gonna go different? I'm gonna go different. Um, oh, footballing right. ability. I, I think his distribution's been really poor. So I'm glad that you've just highlighted that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few occasions yesterday, I thought his kicking was really poor. Um, his goal kicks as well. He was hitting them into the stands. Um, I don't think he had much to. There was no one really showing for him. He couldn't hit him down the middle where you would normally have Troy, so he didn't really have many options. But you try and keep it in the on the pitch at least. Um, 
he did make a couple of good saves from Salah yesterday, yes, but I, I do feel like him and Batman are probably on the same level. Um, Batman's only really done one mistake this season, I think, and that was um, for, for Spurs game, and then he, he came out of a side. So I feel really hum, hard done by by Daniel Batman. Um, I, I think Foster's probably had mistakes in him every single game he's played uh, this season, and quite a lot of mistakes last season as well. Um, his communication probably should have been better between him and Cathcart for that goal where uh, Cathcart slid in. Um, I thought communication wasn't great yesterday between Foster and Truce Econ as well. Uh, from being sat quite at the bottom of the rookery, I could see, and it, it, it didn't look too great. Um, so if, in my eyes, I, I would put Dan Batman back in goal. Um, I, Dan Batman's he, he's a younger keeper. You want him to develop, and I feel like he's been taking that opportunity away from him by Cisco by putting Foster back in. I don't know if that was down to the injury. I don't know if that was a smoke screen just to say because he was dropped to say, oh, he's just picked up a little niggly injury. Mm-hmm. I, I want I want Dan Batman back in goal for Everton away. Yeah, well, you know, there's both sides to the fence. I mean, I let's not forget, I personally think Ben Foster kept us in it against Newcastle. Um, I, I think, you know, without those number of saves he made, we'd have been, you know, a lot worse off and it would have been quite some defeat against Newcastle, which at the time wouldn't have gone down very well and maybe would Cisco have lost his job sooner? I don't know. It's all ifs, ifs and buts, really. But um, I, I think the whole... I was talking to someone about this earlier, actually, and I think the whole thing with the Foster-Backman thing, I think Backman had a little bit of a wobble around that Tottenham time. Yes, he should have kept the ball out from that Son free kick and he should have saved it. Then he went to international break and conceded five against Israel, had a bit of a shaky performance against Scotland. Um, so he had a few shaky weeks in, in terms of you know football-wise, and then he's just not been able to get back in since. And... Um, you know, maybe after yesterday, I, I don't know what Ranieri is. I'm just glad it's Ranieri that has to make these decisions. But based on what I was talking about in regards to this whole does Ben Foster care sort of stuff, um, if you haven't seen already, there's a UFC fighter, um, a Liverpoolian, Paddy his name is, um, I think his last name is Pimblet or Paddy. I, I don't know what his last name is, but he's a UFC fighter. And Foster sorted him tickets out. Um, that Paddy then celebrated the Liverpool goal in the home end and got chucked out by the stewards. They then went over to the Red Lion after the game. Uh, I'm just basing it on the video that I saw that it looked like they were literally right outside the Red Lion uh, and then got chucked out of there because it's a home supporters pub. I mean, you know, if that's... If a pub right next door to the ground isn't the home supporters one, I, I you know, to be honest, he seems a bit, a bit wet behind the ears. His Paddy Geezer does, but um, I mean, firstly, based based on that, there's been a lot of stuff, and like I say, I don't want to go too much in depth with it because there's been a lot said on social media. I just want to say that personally, I know that if you're a playing staff or you're non-playing staff, you get given X amount of tickets for each game. Who you give them to is completely up to yourself. And this is my personal opinion. Ben Foster didn't know that that Paddy was going to act like an idiot and then, you know, celebrate when there was a goal and, you know, get chucked out. And yes, there are plenty of people that would have wanted to go. But the 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 players, you know, every player will get given so many tickets. And 
it's up to them what they do with it. It's up to them who they give them to. Like, you know, I, I just think that on that part, I think that that was purely the guy's fault who Ben chose as to why he got kicked out. And I've seen a lot of people saying, well, why, why would he give it to a Liverpool fan? Why would he give it to an away fan, put him in the home end, uh, and he's being kicked out and all this? It looks really bad on Ben. I personally think that the... The, the, the blame lies on his doorstep that Paddy's got that, that Paddy's doorstep because he chose to act like an idiot and he got kicked out so I've got no qualms in terms of why Ben give him those tickets that that's all based on him but Ben I mean there's been a lot of talk recently that well it's only come out because of yesterday but do you think that basically the, the bottom line question is do you think that Ben Foster um, isn't perhaps how, how am I, I going to word this? Isn't perhaps 100% bothered about how his performances might be or how the team performances might be? Do you think he's too focused on YouTube side of things? Or do you think, fair play to him, he's coming to the end of his career, he's probably not going to be at the club come the summer and he's just you know working on other commitments as well as playing for Watford? Or do you think he just needs to sack it off get to the end of the season and then pick it up and do it more often. What What are your thoughts on the whole Ben Foster YouTube thing? Uh, firstly, I think, of course, he's bothered by yesterday's result. Of course, yep. he's bothered by the performance as a professional footballer. That's his, that's his job at the end of the day. Um, if he wasn't um, bothered, I don't think he should be playing. But obviously, this is going to affect him. His personal performance and the team's performance is going to affect him. So I, I don't like that people are thinking that he's not bothered by it at all. He, he's going to hurt as much as us um, going home that evening. Um, he, he does have that other interest in YouTube. And it's a sticky situation, isn't it, really? When we're doing well, fans love to see it. When we're doing terribly, fans hate it and they want it gone. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Watford are in a sticky patch at the moment. And it's not good content, is it, really, for fans to see or for Ben Foster's channel. Um, so, obviously, there's fans wanting it gone at the moment because we're not doing very well in the table. So, I think it's it, it's just that at the moment. And with the run coming up as well, I think it's not going to be enjoyable going forward either. I, I do think there's a time and a place for it. I think maybe we do need to concentrate a bit more on the Premier League than other interests in that. I don't, I don't mind him having his like his podcast and that. That's absolutely fine. But the whole mm-hmm. YouTube thing, I think that there's a time and a place for that. And I think maybe that should be something that he does when he retires football. I think I think you can have like an interview. You can interview people on a podcast. I think I have no qualms with that. I think that's absolutely fine. But like footage behind the scenes and that, I, I think that's not really... You don't see it at any other club. You don't see any other footballers doing it. I don't think that's maybe right. I, I agree that he was doing it during the pandemic and he wanted people to be closer to the action because fans couldn't come. Fans can go back to the stadiums now. So I don't really see there's a, there's a place for it really at the moment. Does that make sense? Or Yeah, uh, James, what, what's, your, what's your thoughts on the whole thing? Are you with Ben on this? Uh, I think Ben did a pretty good job there of, of summing up the whole situation. You know, uh, what I would say is, you know, when he first started it during, during that lockdown period, you know, it was really, really good. I know I watched every single video just because, obviously, we couldn't go to the games. 
Um, and it was it was really, really interesting. And, you know, it gave people something to look forward to each evening. And, you know, you'd never, you know, no, no footballer has ever done anything like that before. And, you know, obviously the, the season finished with promotion and that, obviously that, that's a happy thing. And we've come into the Premier League, which which is watched by so, so many people around the world. And, you know, when when it's not going our way, you know, I think people look for someone to target. Ben Foster, you know, I, I watch him before every game. There's hundreds of kids um, along the side of the pitch just wanting a photo with Ben Foster. And would that have happened before his YouTube channel? Probably not. So, um, you know, it's definitely... It, his, his fame has definitely increased from it. Um, I don't really know where I'm going with this answer. I just think that there, there was a time and place for it during that lockdown. Um, and as Ben says, you know, everyone has interests outside of their profession. Ben has interests outside of his job. Mike has interests outside of his job. You know, everyone has hobbies and interests. But because he's in the public eye, he's going to re- receive scrutiny from it. And, you know, what... What I want from our players after a game is just, you know, maybe an apology and just an admittance of, of a poor performance. And we didn't even get that yesterday. But what we will get on Tuesday or Wednesday is a blog from Ben <laughs> and, and, him, and him giving away Salah's shirt. And I think that's what frustrates fans. You know, he'll, he'll clickbait the title. He'll say, Salah won the goal against me. Um, and, you know, as, as Watford fans, you know, I think Ben Foster's forgot, forgot that you know he does play for Watford, and you know, and he does have fans at Watford because, you know, his his YouTube channel now is appealing to every fan of every club. Whereas at the beginning, you know, it, it was, you know, just appealing to Watford fans. And I kind of think he's forgot where where he's come from, really. So you know, if if Ben Foster does give away Salah's shirt, and you know, he does clickbait the title, and he does say. You know, Salah's won the goal against me in, in goal. You know, I think we can, you know, criticise him for that because, you know, for me, is that acceptable? You know, not really. Well, um, look at you the know, goal where Jamal Lowe scored and he celebrated in front of it. Yeah. He goes on, yeah, I mean, oh, that that was class. That's like he, he he said that's the most views I've got, and like he didn't really bother him and that. And listen, I get yeah. that he's older now, and you know, he said some really interesting stuff on podcasts where he said too many young players now get wrapped up too much in what's said on social media. He says, I'm at that age now where I don't care what's said on social media. I'm playing football and I'm enjoying it. I'm still fit enough sort of thing. And then if people want to say stuff on social media, then so be it. But to the other side of it, you're sort of thinking, well, that maybe makes him think that he people can say what they want about him and he won't be bothered. And maybe he, he's a little bit too carefree with it, personally. Um but that, that's just from, from my side of things. But, yeah, sorry, carry on, James. No, I was going off on a, on a little bit of a rant there. But for, for me, it's just, you know, you know, I think Cucho is the only player yesterday who, who really come out and said something on the social media after the game. And yes. I kind of understand why, why players don't. But, you know, for me, as I just said, you know, Ben Foster will release this vlog at some point during the week. You know, he probably will say something stupid and it will wind everyone up and, you know, is is that a good thing? Is it distract? You know, for, for me, the main question is, you know, from all of this discussion, is him doing his YouTube channel affecting his performance on the pitch? And for me, I I don't think it is. And I think that 
that's the main answer. So, yeah. you know, and then, then obviously the discussion happens. Do you go with Batman? Do you go with Foster? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, that, and that's it. That, that's how I'd sum it up, really. Is it affecting his performance on the pitch? I'd argue no. And, yeah, that's where, that's where I'll leave it, really. Yeah, and I mean, what I did say, I think I've, I might have said it to, to you guys, or I've definitely said it to someone. He is outside of football. He well, I'm probably inside of football. He is a good-natured bloke. Like he's, he genuinely seems like one of the most nicest blokes possible. And I actually think he'll come out on social media and just apologise for things. He's getting a lot of stick at the moment. There's a lot of fans tagging him in tweets about this whole giving away tickets to this paddy and giving. You know, there's a lot of tweets about the backlash of his YouTube and everything else. And everyone's entitled to their opinion. I just want to say that as well. I don't want people listening to this thinking I'm allowed to say that. If I think, like, listen, you you can think what you want. We're just expressing our opinions. That's why we do this podcast. And you know, feel free to you know have your say on it if you th- disagree with something we've said. Listen, I'm sure there's probably multiple things that people hear me say sometimes and think, did he really just say that? So, uh, and listen, we read everything that's sent to us, and you know, we we don't take it to heart. So, you know, please do have your say. But I actually think he will come out and say something on social media. Um, either that or he'll do what James has said. He'll just go ahead with it and, and do it. And to be honest, is it a bit stupid if he does do that? You know, Salah scores one the goal past me or whatever. Uh, then, yeah, I probably do think that is a bit stupid and a bit silly to give away the, 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 the signed shirt. That sort of says to me that, oh, well, you know, it's happened um, and, you know, I don't really care sort of thing. Well, I don't know. To say I don't really care, I don't know how he's feeling at the moment. So, But he, he, I think it would be a bit silly for him to do that. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens about this blog. Uh, one thing I will say is some of the memes that have come out from it have been hilarious. Uh, I've just got one up here, which is from WFC underscore Dean. <laughs> it was when the news of CRL's injury broke and he goes... Right, lads, I'm here with the main man himself. Goes by the name of the Chilean Maldini. He's just been for an MRI scan at the hospital. How did it go, lad? I've torn my hamstring, Ben. I'm fucked. Oh, that's brutal, mate. Honestly, though, you're a legend, mate. Like, so brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, I must say, the, the, the memes are, um, are, are really, really <laughs> funny. But, yeah. Um, but we thought we'd just, you know, end it on that and... You know, it's going to be interesting to see the team selection and the team performance against Everton next week. Hopefully, we can uh, we can get back to winning ways sooner rather than later and we can actually see what Ranieri is doing with us soon and hopefully the, the, the results pick themselves back up. But as always, from myself, uh, Mike Duffy, from Ben Ayton and from James Batchelor, we thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, we know that the last thing that you guys want to be doing is listening to us talk about another defeat. The last thing we want to be doing is talking about a defeat. When you lose, sometimes you just think, right, sorry, like, let's get on with it. So we really do thank you that we still get amazing figures on the um, on, on the defeat podcast because you know it is the last thing you want to be doing is reminding yourself of games like this but we we thank you for for as always listening like i say any tweets or any opinions or anything you want to say drop us a tweet and we'll happily interact with you but till next time stay safe and come on yawns
Sports Social Podcast Network.